You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. You know, if you will, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. I'm going to share a couple things with you. You know, uh, there's two types. Uh, God, you know, there's two types of things that God does. He has a he has what's called a revealed will. That that's the will that He reveals in His Word. Then there's things that God does that He doesn't tell us about. That's the unrevealed will of God. But the revealed will, the things that He tells us and shows us and says, this is what I want to see happen, and this is what I want to see happen in your life, this is what I want to see happen in the church, this is what I want to see happen in government, this is what I want to see happen around the world, in people's lives. That's the revealed will of God, and it only comes from one place, and that's the B-I-B-L-E. And so in Romans 12, it says, beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices. And live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. He's saying in order to have a genuine expression, a heartfelt expression of worship, then we need to, we need to live a life that we're willing to sacrifice ourselves and sacrifice uh, our, uh, our own desires to advance God's cause and to help others. That's what tithing and giving does. That's what... You know, giving your time for others that they, they have a better life or you're helping them. That's what Sugar Rush does. That's what all of our Christmas service, all the things that people give serving in the church. You're serving as serving anywhere. Serving in order to make their lives better. That's what hopefully you, a bunch of you will be doing tomorrow is serving your family. You know, cooking for them, serving them, and more importantly, help them clean up. That, that should be the, the, the ones who don't cook should clean up, right? I can't cook, but I can clean up. So, what, you know, I expect everybody in my household to help clean up uh, because my mom and, and Julie cook uh, the food, and, you know, then we're going to clean up. And so we can serve each other to make each other's lives better in that service, and that's what God wants from us. And, he, and he, he says, even if it costs us, and really, if it doesn't cost you anything, uh, cost you any time, cost you any finances, it's really not of great value. Let me say it again. It's really not a sacrifice. God wants us to live a sacrificial life, a sacrificial life, that we don't live for ourselves. That's what it basically means. We don't live for ourselves. We live for God's kingdom, and we learn to live to bless others. That doesn't mean that God doesn't do things for us. What did he say? Put my kingdom, and I'll add. You know, we put his kingdom first, and we trust him and have faith in him that he'll take care of our needs and, and help us and bless us, amen, so that we can even be a greater blessing. But I want to go to verse 2. It says, stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly, inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. It needs to be a total reformation. It needs to be a complete reformation of our ideas, our thoughts, our imagination, which is part of our mind, our meditation, what we think about, what we dream about, we need to renew our minds, reform our minds with the word of God. Why? Then you will know this. It says, this will empower you to discern God's will. Everybody say God's will. 
God wants to reveal his will to you. He wants to reveal his will, not just in, in all around us in, in, as a whole, but he wants to reveal his will to you personally. Personally. He said, this will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life. I, I like the passion version. As we live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. That when we live a life that we're, willing, we're wanting to sacrifice our life for his cause and for others, he said our life will become beautiful because he said this, if you lose your life, you'll gain it. He'll give you more and more of a beautiful life. That's just trusting God. The world says, hang on to you, be selfish, hang on to everything. God says, man, if you give it to me, man, you will live the most beautiful, excellent life satisfying life, it'll be the best life you can possibly live by doing that. There's no other better life by doing that. And it's a process. We have, we, we're born selfish, and that's, that's why babies say mine and me and no. And, you know, you have to teach them not to share. You have to teach them. We're born that way with that nature, but we're born again with a different nature, a nature that wants to give and serve and love and be kind. But we have to convince our minds that that's what we're going to do. That's why he said, in order to operate in God's perfect will and his will, you have to renew your mind to his revealed will, which is found in the Bible. He's not hiding his will from you. He reveals it. I mean, there's thousands of promises and instructions and wisdom and how to be married, how to raise kids, how to handle your finances. There's nothing that, that's... Uh, part of human life, human existence, that God doesn't write about and say, here's how you handle that. Nothing. So he wants to reveal his will to us, and man, through that revealed will, that's when miracles happen. That's when really great things happen. So I want to talk to you about one of those great things, and that's the power, and it, it sounds cliche-ish, but I don't think I've ever taught on this. It's the power, the miracle working power of thanksgiving. There's miracles in that. I said there's miracles in thanksgiving. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians. Go with me there. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. And God gives us uh, something and he says, this is my will for you. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18 he said this, let joy be your continual feast. Make your life a prayer. In the midst of everything, be always giving thanks. In, in the midst of everything. He didn't say for everything. I, I, want, I want you to understand. He didn't say give thanks for everything. We're not going to give thanks for sickness. We're not going to give thanks for a car wreck. We're not going to give thanks when things go bad for us. He didn't say give thanks for that stuff. He said give thanks in everything. I want to say this to you, uh, you know, that until we learn this lesson, there's a lot of things that will not take place in your life until we learn the lessons of thanksgiving. Turn, we learn the will of God is for us to be thankful in the circumstances, not necessarily for the circumstances. Because he wants to release his power. He wants to do something miraculous. He wants to do something supernatural 
through our thanksgiving. And he gives us multiple examples of how that operated, but he says this, uh, and in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks, for this is God's perfect plan or God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So the Bible is his revealed will, what he wants from us, and he says, I will that you give thanks in everything. Not for everything, but in everything. That's his will. People say, well, I wanna know the will of God for my life. Well, let's start by just doing the basics of his will that he lays out in the Bible. You know, a lot of people wanna jump to, you know, big dreams and big things and great things and wanna skip past some of the fundamental things that God wants us to learn. You know, if you miss out on the fundamentals of reading when you're little, it's proven that you'll struggle, struggle reading a lot of times the rest of your life if you, if you don't get the fundamentals. You have to get, that's why reading is so valuable. It's proven that if kids, if kids can master reading early on, their, their ability to learn for the rest of their life is dramatically increased. Dramatically increased, if they get the fundamentals. We can't skip the fundamentals of Christianity and then expect to get a PhD in life. We're not gonna get, a, we're not gonna get the highest levels in life if we skip the fundamentals. We're not gonna get God's best. We're not gonna find out his perfect will for our life. If we can't do the revealed will, how are we ever gonna fulfill the will of God that you know, he hasn't completely revealed to us yet? So we need to do the revealed will so we can get to the perfect plan that he has for us. I like some of these quotes. I look some of the quotes up about this. You know, uh, and it's gotta be intentional uh, it's got to be intentional. He said, it's my will for you to give thanks in everything. And a lot of times we don't feel like it. So giving thanks has to become an intentional act. It needs to be a practical lifestyle of genuine appreciation of God in your life. Not just clapping, not just singing, but a continual lifestyle of thanksgiving and appreciation. You know, I've learned, I've taught myself a couple things over the years because I understand it's the will of God for me and you to, to give thanks in, in, not for, but in every situation. And so I've trained my mind that when I wake up in the morning to give thanks. I don't, I don't, I don't get out of bed without giving thanks. I will not roll out of bed without giving thanks. And I understand the supernatural power of God in giving thanks. There's a supernatural power. There's miraculous power released when you start learning to live a life of thanksgiving, of being thankful in every situation. When I pray over my food, you know, I'm just thankful. Guys, if you've ever traveled the world and you've seen people, uh, uh, you've seen children and families uh, standing on top of piles of trash looking for food, man, you'll get grateful real fast. I've seen that. I've seen people, man, they, they don't get fed every day. They don't get fed every day. And so, man, I'm like, golly, we have so much to be thankful for. I said, we have so much to be thankful for. I'm thankful for every meal I eat, that I'm not starving and my kids aren't starving, that I don't have to listen to my kids' bellies 
growl because I can't feed them every day. Or that we have to go to the dump and, and stand on top of and dig through trash all day long just to find some food in there. Or something of value we could sell to get food. Guys, a large part of the world lives day to day. Hand to mouth, a large part of the world. And a large part of the world suffers from starvation on a regular basis. Regular, I mean, it's regular in their cultures for people to starve. And so I say that because we just need to be thankful. You know, we need to be thankful when we eat a meal. We need to be thankful we have a roof over our head. We need to be thankful there's, man, if you've ever had your heater go out in a cold night, man, you got thankful when that heater kicks back on. Or you've ever had your AC go out when it's 100-something degrees every day. We've had that happen to us a couple of times. And, man, I'm telling you, you're thankful when that thing kicks back on. Right? I mean, just being thankful in the little things. And that's where you have to get to. A lot of times we get down, depressed, or discouraged because we forget about You know, we're thinking about what we don't have, some of these other things that aren't happening for us, but we forget about what we do have. And when we forget about what we do have, we're not thankful in every season. But if you remember that, and you develop a lifestyle of practical, and I said genuine, heartfelt thanksgiving to God, it will release supernatural miracles in your life. This is a missing element in a lot of the church and a lot of Christians' lives and other people's lives is just a total lack of appreciation. And God wants us to, to, he wants to do those supernatural things in our life. He wants to. He wants to do it for us, but he's waiting on us. We're not waiting on him. I want to say this, some of you have already lived such a great life that, man, you could be thankful for what already has happened and not have anything else happen, that's, but stuff has already happened that you can just say, man, God, I'm thankful. I'm just thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for what you've already done. I'm so thankful for what God has already done. You know, I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful I met Julie. I'm thankful for my children. I'm thankful for the church. I'm thankful for the job God's given me, the colleague. I'm thankful for my home. I'm thankful for the property he's given me. I'm thankful that he just takes care of me and my family. I'm thankful. I'm just thankful. I'm thankful. I'm just thankful. I'm thankful for the parents he gave me. I'm thankful for the nation I live in. I'm thankful. I'm just thankful, guys. I'm thankful for those things, and sometimes I forget to be thankful. God doesn't want us to forget. So we know now it's God's revealed will that we are thankful in every situation. So listen, if you refuse to do his will when it's revealed, let me say it again, how can he trust you to do his will beyond what he's already just told you, the basics, the simple things that we should be able to do? That's why a lot of people don't live dreams. That's why a lot of people don't see miracles. Because they they forget to be thankful in every situation. That if you're thankful for anything else, like Pastor Sean said, just thankful that God's there. Thankful that he's been there for you. I'm thankful he protected my life when I was in the world. And I was doing all kinds of crazy things that could have cost me my life and cost some of my friends their lives. 
but didn't cost me mine. I'm thankful that he had mercy on my life even when I was opposed to him. When I was leading people astray instead of leading people to him, I'm grateful for all those years. Thankful that he protected me. Thankful that I'm here now. Thankful. And I think all of us need to learn this because God wants to move. Go with me to Luke 17. I'm gonna show you something very powerful. And this is written, interestingly, in the, in the Passion Version. There's a lot of different thoughts on what I'm about to read to you, and I'll explain that to you in just a minute. But go with me to Luke 17. You're gonna see how, how much value God puts on thankfulness in this example. Luke 17, starting in verse 13, it says this. Uh, they shouted to him, they being a group of people who were not Jews, who were sick from leprosy. Uh, leprosy eats, is a disease that uh, gets on people and eats away at their, 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 it eats away at them and eventually will kill them. It'll eat their fingers off, their nose, their ears, their lips. They start eating away at their organs. It's, it just decays and eats away at your body. And so these 10 men are suffering from this leprosy and they shout away from him because they know they're not allowed to approach. So from a distance, they shouted to him, mighty Lord, our wonderful master, won't you have mercy on us and heal us? When Jesus stopped to look at them, he spoke these, these, these words, go to be examined by the Jewish priests. They set off and they were healed while walking along the way. One of them, a Samaritan, he points out specifically that this person was not Jewish. A Samaritan's half Jewish and half Gentile, but they hated each other. There was a lot of racial tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. Do you know that when God starts moving, that racism can be broken by a move of God? The world's trying to solve it by creating more racism. God solves it by doing miracles and reaching across the aisle and doing miracles, and he solves it instantly. This, these, these people, because of their disease, needing something from God, something from Jesus who was Jewish, they immediately forgot about their racism and said, I have a need, and Jesus met that need. It broke down all the walls right then. And then he said, one of them, just one, everybody say one, one of them, a Samaritan, when he discovered that he was completely healed, turned back to find Jesus. Now, they say in the Passion, completely healed, a lot of translations say cleansed, cleansed from leprosy. So what happened is a lot of people believe that as they were walking, all the leprosy, leprosy appears as like white. It's kind of like white. And so all the leprosy, they were cleansed from all of the leprosy. But because maybe some of them were missing digits and parts that not necessarily did they all of, they, they get completely restored. But the lepers, they were healed. They asked to be healed from leprosy and they were healed from leprosy. That's what many people believe, many theologians, people who studied the Bible. And so when this guy came back, there's, there's various thoughts along this. It says, he turned back to find Jesus shouting out joyous praises and glorifying God. Praise and giving God glory is thanking him for what he has done. When he found Jesus, he fell down at his feet and thanked him over and over. That's praise, glory, joyful praise, and glory. Glory means that you add, the word glory in the Hebrew means weight. 
that you had, that it, 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 it implies value, that he had great value for Jesus, tremendous value. And it caused him to thank him over and over and over again to thank him, saying to him, you are the Messiah. Jesus asked, so where are the other nine? I wonder how many times God does something and we're not thankful, and he's like, man, so-and-so came and thanked me. The person in Africa, that little boy who got food that day, he thanked me. That person in prison in China for preaching the gospel, they thanked me every day. Where's the rest of you? I mean, he's asking, where's all the... Only one of the 10% of you came back and thanked me? I wonder how many times we miss the opportunity. I'm not talking about a spontaneous thanks, like something happens, you're like, thank God. I'm talking about a daily, daily, practical daily habit of being appreciative for what you do have. I don't know how many of you, have any of you ever owned a vehicle that when you walked out to start it when it was cold, you're like, yes, it started. <laughs> you're just grateful. I'm so glad that baby started today because I don't want to have to be looking for a ride when it's 30 degrees outside or walking anywhere. I'm glad this thing kicked over. I've had that. I'm just, you're like, here we go. Oh, it started, Yes. I mean, just think about, you're gonna go out here and I would say 90, 99 or 100% of your vehicles are gonna start up. You have a car to drive home in. You have a home that's hopefully gonna be warm when you get there. You're gonna have food there. You're gonna have a bed to sleep in, a place to sleep. I, I just wonder how, how often we get in a situation or we, we go through our daily routine and we start taking for granted what God has done already for us. And we just don't say thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for my car. Thank you that it starts. Thank you it has a heater. Thank you my home is warm. Thank you if it's not warm, I have blankets. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Just thank you. Thank you for my life. Thank you for the people that love and care for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And that it's genuine. Heartfelt thanksgiving for what we do. We spend a lot of time, and I mean we, that's most people, spend a lot of time lamenting what we don't have and what everybody else doesn't do for us instead of spending time being thankful for what we do have and for the people that are in our life. I learned a long time ago, it took me a long time to learn this, I don't lament over all the time. I pray for those that aren't still coming to church, but I'm so grateful for those that do. You can get to a place where you, you're, so, uh, you're so caught up in the people that aren't in your life, you don't appreciate the ones that are. And I think that's sad. Because what you're saying to the ones that are is that, well, you know, it's all about the person that's not here instead of the person that's standing right next to you. I mean, I, 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 learned, I learned this lesson. Be thankful for the one standing right next to you not the one that's left. Because the one standing next to you hadn't left you. Don't spend a lot of time, you know, thinking about those that have left. 
Be thankful for the ones that are there. Pray for the ones that are left if they've left wrong or there's something wrong with them. But man, be very thankful for the ones that are there for you on a regular basis. I think moms get a, get a man, I think moms don't get enough thanks because some of our mamas do a lot for us and they just don't get enough thanks. They don't get enough thank yous. They don't, a lot of times they don't. We take them for granted. We take our moms, our grandparents. We take people that are there for us all the time. We take the church. We take others for granted that are there for us all the time. And we're just not, we're not always thankful. But listen to what happens when this one man is. It says, so Jesus said, so where are the other nine? Jesus asked, weren't there 10 who were healed? They all refused to return to give thanks and give glory to God, except you, a foreigner from Samaria. Then Jesus said to the healed man, lying in his feet, arise and go. It was your faith that brought you salvation and made you whole. So, man, his leprosy is cleansed. That's healed, healed from leprosy. They asked to be healed from leprosy. They were healed from leprosy. He goes back and he falls on his face and says, thank you, thank you, thank you, Thank you. And Jesus says, because you came back and thanked me, there's supernatural power in being thankful. And now he's, now he's saved. He recognizes Jesus as the Lord. This guy's in heaven right now, been in heaven. And all his body parts grew back. He, made, he was made whole. Something supernatural happened. The other nine were healed from leprosy. Jesus gave them what they wanted, but the one that came back and was thankful released even more supernatural power for God to move. Come on, church. Come on. I don't know if you can put this up there for me. Can you, I didn't say, ask you to before service. Can you find Malachi chapter two, verses one and two in the New King James? Put that up when you're ready. Tell me when it's up there. But in the meantime, let's go to John chapter six. John chapter six. If you can't get that up there, that's okay. I didn't tell you before service. John chapter six. I'm gonna show you another instance. John chapter six, verse 11. Another time when Thanksgiving releases God's supernatural power. It says this, Jesus then took the barley loaves and the fish and gave thanks to God. He's got a, a few fish and a few uh, loaves of bread, and he's got about 20,000 people to feed with that. 20,000 people. Now I want you to notice, there was no healing for leprosy when, that, when Jesus healed the lepers, and there was definitely no way for them to grow body parts back. So thanksgiving in seemingly impossible situations releases God's power to change the impossible to possible. This is an impossible situation. Matter of fact, the apostles have said, man, there's no way we can feed these folk. Because he said, oh, you got, you got some fish and bread? Feed them. Oh, no, we can't. We can't. That's a, Jesus, that's crazy. We can't do that. And he's like, oh, yes, we can. Let me show you how to release God's power of multiplication. Uh, some of you need multiplication. You want to release that power? Listen to what Jesus does. Jesus then took the barley loaves and the fish and gave thanks to God. 
and then gave it to the disciples to distribute to the people. Miraculously, the food multiplied with everyone eating as much as they wanted. I wonder sometimes why we don't see God's supernatural ability to multiply stuff. I, I, I wonder if people just are thankful. Are you thankful? Are you thankful? It's up there. It's ready. Let's look at, let's look at the opposite of that. He says, and now, oh, priests, this commandment is for you. Verse 2, if you will not hear and if you will not take it to heart, remember, listen to that, heart, to give glory to my name, says the Lord of hosts, otherwise to give glory, to thank God, I will send a curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have cursed them already because you do not take it to heart. Otherwise, he's like, man, you guys are not thankful for nothing, and now a curse has come on you. Now, I know this is Old Testament stuff, but I wonder how many times we have limited God, and then we do the opposite of thanking him, but from our heart complain and gripe to him and complain or gripe about him, and we bring a curse on our life instead of a blessing. He wants to multiply his blessing through our thanksgiving, but these priests, they, they, they had no heart in it. They had no heart in their, their glory to God. They had no heart in their praise, no heart in their thanksgiving, no heart in their worship towards God, no appreciation. Is exa- He's saying they had no appreciation from their heart, and so now, man, this curse is gonna come on you because you, you don't value what God has done for you. But we see here, when you do value, God multiplies blessings. When you do value. We're seeing miracles. Miracle happened with the leper, because he was thankful. A miracle happened here. What did Jesus do? Simple prayer. Thank you. Thank you, God. He's setting our example. Thank you, multiplication, miracles. Thank you. He does it time and time again. You're right there in John 6. Go with me to John 11. He's going to do it again. He's going he's to thank God, and another seemingly impossible miracle is going to take place. In John 11, verse 41, it says this. This is Lazarus. Lazarus, his friend, died. You remember his sisters were all distraught. and said, if you'd have been here, you know, and Jesus, I'm looking, I'm like, you don't know who you're talking to. You know, if you've just been here. And so it says this in verse 41. So they rolled away the heavy stone. Jesus gazed into heaven and said, Father, Father, that you have heard my prayer. Father, thank you. This means Jesus already prayed about it. And now he's just saying, Father, thank you. You've already heard my prayer. Then he said this. For you listen to every word I speak now so that these who stand here with me will believe that you have sent me to the earth as your messenger. I will use the power you have given me. Then with a loud voice, Jesus shouted with authority, Lazarus, come out of the tomb. Then in front of everyone, Lazarus, who had died four days earlier, slowly hobbled out. He still had grave clothes tightly wrapped around uh, his hands and feet and covering his face. Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him loose. What did it begin with? Thank you. 
thank, heartfelt gratitude that you've already heard my prayer. You've already heard my prayer. What does God say? He said, don't be anxious or worried about anything, but in all things, this is the will of God, but in, this is the revealed will of God, in all things in prayer, supplication. What is the difference between prayer and supplication? Supplication is very specific prayers. Sometimes we pray, God says to pray for every, every man everywhere. So I pray prayers like, God, I pray for every man, woman, and child on the planet because you told me to that they'll come to know you, that you'll send laborers across their path. That's a general prayer. Then I have very specific prayers. That's a supplication. That's like, God, I need this specifically to happen. Then he said, he said, with prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. It always comes back to that, right? He's like, if you want to release my supernatural power in your life, if you want to take from something that looks impossible and make it possible, just get thankful. Just get thankful with what you do have. I don't have many times. Years ago, uh, this is when I started to really change a lot of things. My brother and I were talking on the phone, and we've reminded us each other of this conversation so many times. And we're just talking about things that weren't going well for both of us. And uh, this is my brother's Pastor Steve. And finally, it's just like, man, getting a paycheck? Yep. Your wife still love you? Yes. Your kid's healthy and alive? Yes. Some people don't have that. Got a roof over your head? Yes. Got a job? Yes. You making a difference? Yes. God on the throne? Yes. Does he love you? Yes. Is he still for you? Yes. Does he have a good plan for you? Yes. Let's be thankful. Let's just be thankful for what we do have and not lament what we don't. I tell you, it will change your world. It'll change your world and it will release God's supernatural power, miracle working power. What happened? Miracle after miracle after miracle. Jesus is our example. He is the word of God made flesh. He's God's revealed will for how he wants us to live and he was always giving thanks over every meal, over everything. And when he did, man, things happened. And he shows us through the thankfulness and gratitude of others how they reacted to him, how he would move for them, how he would act on their behalf. I think it's amazing how God's supernatural ability manifests when we're thankful, when we're thankful. You know what's amazing to me in Psalms 100, verse 4? It says, enter my gates with, in my courts with praise. Listen, without being thankful, some people, man, you might think, well, I'm not experiencing the presence of God a lot recently. If you're thinking that, man, I don't feel God. I don't, I'm telling you, one of the reasons is because you're not thankful. You can't enter into his gates without being thankful. He said, enter my gates with thanksgiving and my courts with praise. Otherwise, value me, appreciate me. I want to say this to you. What you appreciate will appreciate. What you depreciate will depreciate. 
So if you're griping and complaining all the time about this, that, and another thing to God, to your family, about your job, about this, and about that, what you depreciate will begin to depreciate even more. What you're thankful for will even become more appreciative. It will appreciate in your eyes and in the eyes of others. Think about it. What you appreciate will appreciate. What you depreciate will be depreciated. I think about the children of Israel, how he delivered them through these 10 great miracles, and they're just so unthankful for everything. What did they do? They griped and complained their way out of every promise that God promised them. And he said, because of your griping and complaining, because what happened? Every time they would gripe and complain, they would devalue God. They wouldn't glorify God, which is to value him. They would devalue God, and then what happened? They didn't enter in to the promise because of their, does anybody know what they did? What happened to them? Their unbelief. So what happened was, as they depreciated God and complained and griped against him, their faith went this way, and they, they didn't count God as faithful, they counted God as faithless, and they doubted. It created such doubt in them, because what you depreciate will depreciate. They depreciated God, and he, he began to depreciate so much in their life, he's like, I can't send you into the promised land, because it takes a spirit, it's gonna take a spirit of faith to take Jericho. It's gonna take a spirit of faith to take this, the land from the giants, and these people, and that people. It's gonna take a spirit of faith to do that. I can't move you into this because you have so much doubt. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to let you live and I'm going to provide for you, but you're going to wander around in a wilderness. And that's where a lot of Christians find themselves. It's kind of like they have God. God loves them. He's providing for them. He's still raining down manna, still doing some stuff, still taking care of you, but you're not seeing the miraculous promises and power of God manifest in your life because you've forgotten to be thankful. And it's created so much doubt and unbelief inside of you that God's like, I can't take you here because it's gonna take great faith to see that happen. You're in such doubt and unbelief. You've so devalued me in your own eyes, in the eyes of others by complaining and complaining and griping that you just operate in tremendous doubt. I see people do this to their spouses. Man, my husband's sorry, no good. My wife is this, my kids. They do this about people, my job, my boss. They're constantly griping, constantly complaining about everything and everyone, and they devalue it in their eyes. And I, I don't see anybody like that ever get promoted. What I see happen with them is they get demoted or they just get passed by for promotion all the time and then they're mad about it. That makes them even madder. Like, why doesn't this happen for me? And why isn't this happening for me? And why? God said, be thankful in everything, not for everything. I'm going to say it again. But in every situation, be thankful for what he has done and that he's with you and that he's for you. That even in that bad situation, he's going to teach you. He's going to grow you. He's going to deliver you. He's going to help you. And that miracles are possible with God. And so he said, be thankful. Be thankful. You can gripe and complain your way into all kinds of trouble. I've learned that the hard way. 
And I still have to keep myself in check because I can sense it. When, when, I, when I'm starting to complain, what happens is when you start complaining about what's not happening, it's immediately that you start questioning God like, man, God, I don't know what you're up to. And you don't mean that in a good way. I don't know what this is about. I don't know why you're doing this, but, you know, I trust you. But, it, man, that's not heartfelt. It's heartfelt questioning. It's heartfelt doubting. It's heartfelt complaining. But if you just, if you just turn that around and say, God, listen, I know I don't have everything I want in life. I know all this hasn't happened for me yet, but I'm going to do your will right now so you'll trust me. You'll trust me to do a miracle for me. You'll trust me to move. And you'll trust me with the, the, your will in my future because I'm gonna be thankful in this situation, in this place right now. Oh, I have more I could share, but we're done. That's enough, isn't it? That's a good Thanksgiving meal right there. That's a good meal. That's just, gobble that up. And so that should lift your countenance. That shouldn't lift you up. Be thankful. Be thankful today. Be thankful going home. Begin to think about, give him some heartfelt thanks. Like, God, you know, I just thank you that, man, I have, I have people and things and stuff, and I have, man, I got a bed to sleep in. And just, golly, just become thankful. Watch what happens when you develop that as a lifestyle. You're going to consistently see miracles happen. You're going to consistently see a supernatural ability. And it's the exact opposite of what the world says. The world says you can gripe and complain your way and, you know, into stuff. But you can't, man. You, you can, yeah, you can. You can gripe and complain your way into curses instead of thanking your way into blessings. Listen, every eye closed here and online. So glad you joined us. Richie, Crystal, they're, they're with their baby. Been up in Albuquerque for Oh, almost a couple months now with their baby Esau, healed in Jesus' name. Hello, guys. Love you. All my family's not feeling well home. Love you guys. Love you, Julie. Love you, family. Love you, church families watching online. Maybe there's someone watching online. Maybe there's someone here right now that you're not even right with God. What I mean by that is you just, you don't have a relationship with him. You've either never wanted one or never understood how to have it. I'm gonna explain that to you real quick. Jesus came to earth, he died for your sins. He rose from the dead to prove, he died for our sins to prove his love for you that he loves you. He rose from the dead to prove that he is who he says he is and that he did die for your sins, that he is God. And he said, I love you first. He moved first, not just with words, but his, he laid down his life to prove that he loved you. You say, well, this happened to me and that happened to me. Where's his love then? Listen, 
He's not going to control every human being in your life. He's not going to control you either. He didn't desire that bad things happened to you when you were a child. That wasn't his heart for you. But he gives people free will and choices. And you have one right now to say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me because you love me and that you, you said I love you first. You didn't just say it, you acted on it. And I believe you rose from the dead and you are, you are the Lord. You are the Messiah as, that, as the leopard said, man, the, the one healed from leprosy, he said, man, you're the Messiah, you're the Savior. I see it, you're the Savior. And what you'll do is when you accept him as Lord and, and your Savior, he'll, he'll begin to heal all the brokenness that maybe other people cause, maybe you cause some of it, your own choices. He'll heal you and deliver you from your past. And he'll even take those things that were ugly and he can turn ashes into something beautiful and he'll use that for you to bless others, to help others that are hurting, to teach them how only Jesus can heal a broken heart a broken life. He wants to save you from having him just living in misery and in this life. But even more, he wants to save you that when we die, that there is a heaven and there is a hell and he wants to save you from hell. He, that's why he was so willing to die because he didn't want to see any person go there. He didn't create, God didn't even create hell for people, but unfortunately people choose it. Don't choose that. He wants to give you a life worth living right now and giving away, and he wants to save you from hell and give you heaven as your eternal home when you die, that we live forever in heaven together with him. It's not a fairy tale or a myth. It's the absolute truth. And so if you're in here or watching online and you've never prayed that, we want to pray with you. I believe I went through all of that even for one person who's thinking those thoughts. Because God loves you so much, he wants to save your life tonight. But not only are there those uh, watching or in this room that have never prayed, but there are the, some that have prayed, but you've ran away and you've become ungrateful and you doubted and complained and man, just went back into the world and God wants you to come home. That's why you're here. That's why you're watching. That's why you're here. You've had enough of it. You want to come home. And so whether you want to pray for the first time or the next time, we want to pray with you right now, all of us. So if that's you online, please send us a message. I'm praying for the first time or the next time. Just send us a message right now. If you're in this room on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand at the end of the, the three count and say, it's me, I need to get right with God. And then right where you're seated uh, here and in, in online, we're going to pray all together. So if that's you, online send the message in this room, one, two, three. Just raise your hand and say, I'm going to get right with God before I leave here. Thank you. All over this room, thank you. So let's pray with those online and those in the room. And Man, you don't have to scream or shout this, but talk to God and make it genuine because he always looks for the real heart. So be as sincere as you can with him and 
He'll do the rest for you tonight. So let's pray this. Say, God, come on, church. God, I believe you are God and God alone. And you love us. You love me. So you sent Jesus because you love us to die for our sins, to do something for us that none of us could do for ourselves. Thank you. And then you raised Jesus from the dead and he's alive to prove that you are who you say you are. I believe all of it. And because I do, I ask you, God, to forgive me of all my sins. And I receive your forgiveness. And I say to you, Jesus, you are the Lord, Jesus Christ, of my life. And I receive the Holy Spirit that empowers me by your word to live for you a life worth having, life to the full and worth giving away until I see you in heaven. Thank you for saving my life, being with me in Jesus' name. So be it. Amen. Come on, let's thank God. Let's be thankful. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.